talking about uh, the gospel. Um, and really, the gospel is, is uh, not just a theme or not just a subject. The gospel is our message. And for, you know, quite some time now, um, as I look at the church and I look at different things that are happening, and when I say the church, I'm talking about not just this congregation. Um, and and I, I don't know if you sense it or not, but there is a real move of the Spirit of God bringing us back to the simplicity that is Christ bringing us back to a gospel-centered message. And the reality is, <clears throat> we can't talk about anything apart from the gospel. We can, but if we do, it's, it's useless. You know, as churches, um, if you look around the landscape of the church today, you will find churches preaching and teaching all kinds of things. And I'm not saying they're bad things. Um, many of the things that churches preach and teach today have to do with practical living. And that's fine. We should learn how to live practically. We should learn and we should strive to be the best husbands, the best fathers, the best employees, the, the best employers. Uh, we should strive to be the best citizens we can be. Uh, you, you know, pick your topic. Uh, we should strive to be the best stewards of the finances and the resources God gives us. And you can pick your topic and go down the list, and they're all worthy things to talk about. They help us in our everyday life. But I want you to understand that there's a huge difference between those things and the gospel. See, Jesus never commanded us to preach and teach about those things. He commanded us to preach the gospel. Now, before you, before you go somewhere with what I just said, that, that you shouldn't go, that's not to say that God doesn't want us to be the best husbands, the best fathers, the best workers, the best business owners, the best musicians, singers, uh, the best educators, the best students the best citizens we can possibly be. Uh, I'm not saying that. I do believe this. If we get a revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will be all of that and more without ever having to necessarily read a book on how to be a good this or a good that. And what I, what I have become very passionate about is, is, is the message of the gospel that the church has got to return to this message of the gospel. And unless we do that, we will continue to see the, the degradation you see taking place in our culture. In spite of the church's best efforts, I mean, think of all the books that have been written. Think of all the programs that go out every day. In spite of our best efforts, Those things are no more powerful than, than the myriad of, of, of secular writers who, who write on the same topics. You can turn on Good Morning America or the Today Show and get the same information that you get in, in 
from many pulpits week in and week out. And what I'm saying is that may be good information, but that information does not have the power to transform a life. There's only one thing that has the power to transform a life, and that is the gospel. That is Jesus Christ. We can gain lots of good information about lots of good topics. We can apply those good principles to our lives, and we may improve our lives. We may become more successful. We may have happier homes. We may. But if we've done those things in our own power, if we've achieved those things simply through our own power, through our own will, no matter how good those things may be, no matter how good the results of those things may be, when the end is all said and done, those things will make absolutely no difference. Because at the end of the day, those things will not save a soul from hell. Those things will not cause a man to be born again. Those things will not cause a man to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. Those things cannot and never will deliver us from sin and from death. They can only be things that, that mask or cover over the deeper issue and the deeper problem. And that deeper issue and deeper problem is sin. And there's only one solution to sin, and that is the gospel. And so everything we do, everything we teach, everything we preach, everything you study, everything you read, let it be centered in the gospel. Let the gospel be the foundation of everything. Because it's only in the gospel that there is the power to truly make a difference. Paul said it this way in Romans 1.16. Just go through these scriptures with me, if you would. Romans 1.16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, turn over to the next book in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. If we preach the gospel, we cannot help but preach the power of God. 
If we proclaim the gospel, we cannot help but proclaim the power of God. If we live the gospel, we cannot help but live the power of God. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God. There is no power in any other message. This is why our message must be centered in the gospel. And let's not belittle or trivialize the gospel. The gospel is not just the message that you can be saved and go to heaven one day. The gospel is much more than that. Our salvation is much more than just the fact that we'll go to heaven when we die. Do you realize that, church? Do you realize that what the world has done, what the world has come to believe about the gospel, and I believe the world believes this because this fundamentally is what the church has come to believe. We have preached, if we have preached a gospel, it has been a very weak gospel. And I really don't understand how that can be because if the gospel, listen, if the gospel is the power of God and we preach the gospel, how can we preach something that is not powerful? So if what we're preaching and teaching has no power, then what should that tell us? We have strayed somewhere away from the gospel. Because if we preach the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we preach a message that is, by the very nature of what it is, it is the power of God. Now Paul talks about those who preach another gospel. As a matter of fact, let's just, let's just look at this. Let's see. I think we're, let me see if I can find it here. He talks about those who are preaching a gospel that is, I think it's in Galatians. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. Yeah. Let's begin in verse 6. Galatians 1, 6. So the gospel is the power of God. The gospel, according to 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul says, For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to beget us or to cause us to be born again into a different life, into the life of another. The gospel is the power of God. It's God's message that enables us to be begotten, to be born again. Remember when Jesus told Nicodemus, truly, truly, Nicodemus, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Paul says, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, here in Galatians chapter 1, let's begin in verse 6. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. He says, to a different gospel, which is not another. In other words, 
to a different, remember the word gospel, it means good news. So we could say it like this. To a different good news, which is not good news. To a different gospel, which is not another. You see, he used the term another gospel. He said, which is not another. In other words, what he's saying, there is either the gospel or it's not the gospel. There is no such thing as another gospel because there's only one good news. We can't have two good news. If we have two gospels, then we have two ways to salvation, don't we? So Paul is saying here, he's being facetious. He says, I can't believe you guys so soon after coming to faith in Christ, after having received the gospel, are turning to another gospel, which is not another. In other words, what you're turning to is not. It's not the gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one message that has the power of God to salvation. There's only one message by which we can be born again. That is the gospel. So he says, to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, you know, do you guys realize that Paul wouldn't make it today very far in our society? I mean, if we just want to talk in terms of, of the way our culture is, we are so politically correct. I mean, when you, Paul just calls it the way it is right here. And he's just calling them out. He's saying, these guys are preaching another gospel. They're, they're lying to you. He says, if anyone comes to you, if an angel from heaven comes to you, preaching another gospel, don't believe it. Don't receive it. If they comes preaching to you anything other than what we have preached to you, that is pretty arrogant, it seems, doesn't it? But Paul is not being arrogant. He said, I've got the truth. I have preached the truth to you. I've begotten you in the truth. I have paid a price to proclaim this gospel to you. And I'm telling you, he says, if an angel from heaven comes and preaches something other than what I have preached to you, he said, don't believe it. It's a lie. Let him, as a matter of fact, he said, let him be accursed. Let him be condemned. When we stand behind this pulpit and we proclaim to you a message, it's important what is said. It's important what is being proclaimed. When you listen to someone proclaiming from this pulpit, when you turn on that television or turn on that radio and you listen to what is being proclaimed, it's important for you to know whether what's being proclaimed is truly the gospel or not. And there's too many today that are confused about what the gospel is. And that's why we have so many different ways leading to heaven when there's only one way. That's why we've got so many people arguing about what's truth when there's only one truth. It doesn't do any good to argue about what's truth. Let's just proclaim the truth. And you need to be people 
who are equipped to know the truth. And that's where my responsibility comes in. See, if all we want to do is learn how to live and have more successful lives, that's fine and good. But at the end of our days, like the song said earlier, when Christ returns or He calls me home, then what, what am I going to say then? Well, I had a really good marriage, God. Well, I had a really successful business. We had such a happy family. I lived such a wonderful life on earth. We were never sick, God. Come on, church. We're talking about something that is so absolutely important. We're talking about the gospel. And it's important that we don't begin to confuse the gospel with these other things. Do you know there are a lot of people who are going to live healthy, wealthy, successful lives, but when they die, they're going to split hell wide open? Do you realize that? Do you know there's going to be a lot of good people who are going to go to hell? Because God could care less about our goodness. Do you know that? God does not care about our goodness. You know why? Because our goodness is only a figment of our imagination. We don't have any goodness. We don't. Pastor Jeff, are you saying I'm a bad person? No, I'm saying, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you what God tells you. There's only one good, and that's God. We're not going to make it to heaven because of our goodness. And I know you know this. Now, I made it a habit over the time that, you know, I haven't, I haven't been up here since Christmas. I haven't spent time in my office here at all. And, and I made, a, I made it a, a purpose one, one evening, a couple of evenings. I spent a little bit of time just scanning Christian television to see what, what people are preaching and teaching. Because I don't watch Christian TV. I don't. And I'll just be honest with you, man, I was horrified at what I saw and what I heard. I was absolutely, can I just be honest with you, it made me angry. It made me angry. That there are people preaching and teaching things that are so untrue. And there are scores, thousands upon thousands of people being deceived. And you know what? You know why they're being deceived? Because their flesh is being tickled. Because their ears are being tickled. Because they're listening to a message that is telling them what their flesh wants to hear. But it's not dealing with their souls. It's not. I was horrified. And I'm thinking, my God, is this what is going out over the airwaves? Is this what the church is consuming are we so desperate to hear a message from man that makes our flesh feel good, that we cannot endure the truth? But why are we surprised? It's exactly what Paul told Timothy. And do you know that Paul was not talking about, Paul was not writing to Timothy about our day. Paul was writing to Timothy about Timothy's day. Do you know that when Timothy, the spiritual son of the apostle Paul, was preaching In pastoring, he was dealing with people who would not endure sound doctrine. 
He was dealing with people who wanted to go and hear a message that tickled their ears and justified a lifestyle that was not consistent with Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking about going out and living some sinful lifestyle. I'm talking about a message of the truth that deals with the whole counsel of God, that deals with life and death and the reality of who we are in Christ and why we are here. Not what we want to believe we're here for, not what we want our life to be, but I'm telling you what, do we believe that Jesus commands our destiny like the song said tonight? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus commands your destiny? He does whether you believe it or not. The gospel is the only message that has the power to save a life. Paul goes on and he says if they preach anything other than the gospel, it's not. It's not a gospel. And let them be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you now see that, that, that right there. If I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I don't think the Apostle Paul would make it too long on Christian television today. I, I just don't think he would. I don't think he'd have very many people sponsoring his ministry. Because I'm going to tell you what, the Apostle Paul would not stare into the camera and say, send in your thousand dollar seed right now to release your miracle. He wouldn't do that. But I saw a man of God do that night before last. Now you tell me, church, who, how many former Catholics do we have in here? You tell me what the difference between that, send me a thousand dollars to release your miracle from God, what in the world is the difference between that and what the Catholic Church was doing in the Middle Ages when Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis on the Wittenberg Cathedral door and said, you're making these people pay for indulgences. You're making them pay to get their loved ones out of purgatory. You're making them pay to get their healing from God. What is the difference? There is no difference. If it was wrong then, it's wrong today. But now we want to quote, now don't touch God's anointed. Bull hockey. Bull hockey. Paul said, if anyone comes preaching another gospel, let them be accursed. You know why? I meet them every day. I talk to them on a weekly basis. Because they call here. And I make a point of asking everybody I talk to, are you in church? No, I'm not in church. Now, a lot of them are not in churches because they don't want to be in church. But do you know how many people I encounter who are not in church because they have become so disillusioned with church? You know why they're disillusioned with church? Because you listen to, to men of God like that who say, if you'll just pay me my $1,000, your miracle will be released. Guess what happens when your miracle's not released? You know what that man of God's going to say? 
well, it's too bad. It wasn't my fault. You just didn't have enough faith. That's what they're going to say. And you know what's going to happen then? That person becomes disillusioned and says, you know what? I guess God doesn't really love me. Because I gave that in sincerity. And you say, well, well, if they gave it in sincerity, then why didn't God just do it? Because you don't pay. Read your Bible. When Simon the sorcerer said, let me pay to receive that power, you know what Peter said to him? Boy, you messing with fire now. You're fixing to lose your soul if you think you can buy and purchase the gift of God. You can't purchase the gift of God. Yet we got world-renowned preachers on TV telling people, send me your money and purchase the gift of God. They wouldn't say that, but you tell me what the difference is. And I'm telling you, church, we got to return to the gospel. Not a message that's going to manipulate someone, make someone feel good about themselves, make them believe it's like playing the lottery. You just keep playing that every week and maybe you'll win. Maybe you will. You might go broke too. You might say, I sent my $1,000 seed and you know what? I couldn't pay my car payment. I couldn't pay my house payment. I lost my house. I lost my car. I lost everything because I gave my money to God. Now, guess who you're mad at? You're mad at God when you shouldn't be because you know what? God never told you to send that money in. Your emotions did. Your flesh did. Another gospel did. Oh, y'all don't like what I'm saying, do you? But see, I'm going to have to answer to God one day for what I taught you. And I'm not going to teach you another gospel. And I'm not going to stand up here and through my silence allow someone to imply or believe that I have somehow put my stamp of approval on these false teachers and their false messages because I will not and I have not. You know why? Because it goes contrary to what this Bible says. They can quote the Bible all day long. Satan did too. They may, be, they may be, and I believe they are very sincere in what they're preaching and teaching. But I believe they're very sincerely deceived. I believe they are. And we, church, have got to come to know the truth. Because only the truth will make us free. And if we don't know the truth, how are we going to stand up for the truth? If we don't know what the truth is, how are we going to point out the lie? Do you know how many people you work with, you work around, you come in contact with every day who have thrown the baby out with the bathwater because they've been disillusioned? You know why? Because they've heard and they've believed some message that was false. Now, you might say it's their fault. They shouldn't have believed it. Well, that might be true. But maybe God has put you in their life to speak the truth to them. Maybe God's put you in their life to love them and to communicate a true gospel to them, one that can truly set them free, not just tickle their ears for a season until they become disillusioned and then they don't want to have anything to do with, with anyone or anything else that has to do with God. God may have put you in their life. But are we bold enough to proclaim a true gospel? 
Are we bold enough to do it? The gospel. See, if we don't know that the gospel is the power of God, if we're not sure about that, you know why Paul was so bold in his preaching? Because Paul knew what the gospel was. And I'm not just saying he knew doctrine. I'm not just talking about a doctrine that he knew. He knew the reality of the power of God. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. For I do not pers- I do now. I'm sorry. Verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Hear that, church. The gospel that we preach is not according to man. Look at verse 12. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm talking to you tonight. Some would say I'm preaching to you or I'm teaching you. But hear me. I can preach and proclaim the gospel. I can teach you what the gospel says. But I cannot bring a revelation of the gospel to you. There is a huge difference. Only the Spirit of God can do that. We are commanded to proclaim the gospel so that the Spirit of God can bring the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul says, no one taught me the gospel. I was just riding on a horse down the road to Damascus when Jesus Christ himself revealed himself to me. Paul's not making an argument against teachers, but what he is saying is this. The gospel, the revelation of the gospel doesn't come from man. It comes from Jesus Christ. I can proclaim it to you tonight, but I'm telling you what, you're not going to get saved because I'm talking to you. You're going to get saved or your neighbor or your friend or your co-worker, your family member is going to get saved because Jesus Christ has revealed himself to them. Because Christ has been revealed. And Paul was bold in his declaration of the gospel because he understood that The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Go over to 1 Corinthians. Let's go back there. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.10, he says, but... But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Look what Paul says. He says the gospel brings life and immortality to light. That's what the gospel does. Now here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1.
1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's look in verse 18. It says, for the message of the cross. Now, let's back up to verse 17. I read this to you a while ago. Let's read it again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross. See, the message of the cross and the gospel are not two different things. They are one and the same. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Do you catch that? God in his wisdom will not allow the world through wisdom to know him. Much of what we teach and preach in the church today is nothing more than the wisdom of man. Now, there's nothing wrong with being wise. But I'm saying there is a difference between the wisdom of man and the power of God. There is a difference between a wise word and a powerful word. The wisdom of man may serve you well as long as you live on this earth, but it will not carry you one step beyond that. And I'm going to submit to you, it won't do much for you here. Compared to what the power of God will do. Compared to what the gospel of Jesus Christ will do. Paul says, I didn't come with the wisdom of the world. I didn't come with the wisdom of men. He said, as a matter of fact, God says that he'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Because God in his wisdom would not allow the world through wisdom to know him. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign. Do a miracle, God. Show us a sign, Jesus. Prove to us that you are. He said, nope, I won't do it. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. But they're both seeking in vain. But we, Paul says, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh would glory in his presence. That no flesh would glory 
in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God in righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Do you see what Paul just said there? That is so important. But of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom. I don't have any wisdom. The world doesn't have any wisdom. Christ is our wisdom. There is no wisdom apart from Christ. Who became for us wisdom from God. Who became for us righteousness and sanctification. Do you realize we have no righteousness? We have no sanctification in ourselves. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. That, it, that as it is written, verse 31, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I can't glory in anything. I can, but it's not glory. Just like I can preach another gospel, but it's not another. I can think I am glorying in all kinds of things, but I'm not. Because there is no glory outside of Christ. There is none. And if we think there is, we are deceiving ourselves. If we think we have done anything, we are deceiving ourselves. If we think we have appropriated or manipulated or, or, or secured anything through anything that we have, we are deceiving ourselves. No flesh will glory in his presence. None. 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 Verse chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech, or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can I tell you that right there in verse 4, Paul was not just talking about him coming and walking into the auditorium and, and just doing a bunch of miracles. Paul was talking, look what he says. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, comma, but, we could read it like this, my speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, because I didn't come with a message of human wisdom, I came with the message of the gospel. I purpose not to know anything among you, Except what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It wasn't, Paul was saying, it's not how I spoke. It was not my delivery. 
It wasn't any of that. It was the message that I brought. I brought to you the pure message of the gospel. That is the power of God unto salvation. That is the power of God to change you, to transform you, to cause you to be born again. The words of human wisdom will not do that. Human wisdom may make you feel better about yourself. It may teach you how to apply practical principles that you can go out and live in your life. But human wisdom will not deliver you from sin and death. It will not deliver your soul from hell. It will not cause you to be born again and translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the the sun. And his light and his life. It won't do it. Paul said, I came to you. Not in myself, not in my wisdom, not in my eloquence. I came to you. This was an educated man. He said, I came to you with a message, a powerful message. It wasn't the messenger. It was the message. That was the power and the demonstration of God and the Spirit. That your faith should not be in my words, in my preaching, in my teaching, but in the power of God. Not in how I say it. But in what I have said, that your faith would be in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the message of the cross. First Peter one twenty five. Peter says, but the word of the Lord. Let's turn there. First Peter chapter 1. Let's just begin in verse 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. Peter says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Now, that, that phrase right there is a message unto itself. I want you to see what Peter's saying here. How did they obey the truth? How? Through the Spirit. We don't obey the truth through the flesh, do we? Because none will be made righteous or justified through the deeds of the flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Verse 9 in Romans chapter 8 goes on to say, If you are Christ's. If you belong to Christ, you are no longer in the flesh, but you are, where? In the Spirit. Since you have purified your souls, how did you purify your soul? Did you do that? No, he did that. Remember, we just read it in 1 Corinthians. Jesus Christ, who is what? He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently in a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, 
through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Who is the word of God that lives and abides forever? He is Jesus Christ. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory even as of the only begotten of the Father. Because all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. It wasn't a word that came from man's flesh, man's wisdom. It was the word of God. He very clearly tells us what's going to happen to the flesh. But the word of the Lord, what? It endures forever. And this is... He said, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. It is the the word of the Lord. The enduring, eternal word of the Lord. That is the gospel. This book is not two stories, an old one and a new one. It's not two histories, an old one and a new one. A Jewish one and a Gentile one. This book has one subject. It is the gospel. And the gospel is personified in one person. And his name is Jesus Christ. This book is about revealing to all who have eyes to see and ears to hear. It is about revealing that gospel. It is about revealing Jesus Christ. And if we... We'll get a revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything else will fall into place. The Spirit of God who resides in you will deal with you about your anger, about your unfaithfulness, about your addiction, about your problems, about your cold heart. He'll deal with you about those things. The question is, are you going to allow Him to have His way? Now I'll say this. One way or the other, do you know what? He will have his way. He will have his way. Jesus said, you can fall on the rock and be broken, or the rock can fall on you and grind you to powder. But one way or the other, you will come into conformity with the will of God. It's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of when. And God, in His grace, allows us to come to the rock to fall upon it. But if we resist, He will allow the rock to fall upon us. May I submit to you that it's much better for you to fall upon the rock than to have the rock fall upon you. But don't ever think that you are going to escape the destiny of Jesus Christ that he commands over your life. You will not be the only one standing when it's all said and done saying nobody else escaped but I did. No. One way or the other, God in his grace will bring you into conformity with his will. He will do it. The gospel will be preached one way or the other. I'm convinced of this. 
God loves all of his children. But I believe there's a lot of his children that have fallen into a deception. And they've fallen into the, to the trap of, of loving the praise of men and loving what, what, what all of that brings more than they love the truth. And they have fashioned a message that has perverted the truth. It has a form of godliness, but there is no power because it is void of the true gospel. And I'm telling you what, God made a promise to us. It's in Matthew. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In 21st century, Western Christianity is not going to up, it's not going to overturn God's apple cart. I'm telling you what, God's will shall be done. It will. And he'll move whoever and whatever out of the way to get it done. He will do it. But as for us at Christ Fellowship, let us be a congregation of God's people who purpose to preach and teach and live the gospel. For only the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Amen. So if you don't like the gospel, you're not going to like much of my preaching and teaching in the coming year. Because it's going to be gospel-centered. Because it's the only thing that has the power of God to change us and to transform us. Amen. Come on up, worship team. Let's spend some time. Communion is here. I want to encourage you to come and take communion. Examine your heart. I don't have to get up here and beat you over the head. If something's not right, make it right. If you can't make it right and you don't feel good in your spirit, it's like, I, I shouldn't go to that table and take communion, then don't go to that table and take communion. No one's here looking at you. No one's worried about that. Don't worry about anybody else. You, you, deal, you let God deal with you. Amen? But as we pray and as we seek the face of God, Let's purpose, let's purpose to return to the simplicity that's Christ. Let's be gospel-centered people. Let's love the truth, even if it hurts us, even if it kills us. Let's embrace Amen. the truth. Amen.